Did you know that Google is about to introduce a new Core Web Vital metric called INP? I know that with all the other news in the industry currently, you've probably missed it, and I did as well. But still, this news prompted me to look back into our site speed setup, and I wanted to bring a pro to help me out. That's why I reached out to Brian Jackson to roast our setup. You may not know him, but Brian is the guy behind an enthusiast site speed plugin called PerfMatters that lets you tweak exactly what scripts and files loads on each page of your site, which really helps with WordPress plugins that often load bloat on your site. It's a real site speed nerd tool that many people, including us, actually use. And the thing is, 70% of Brian's time is spent on helping his customers tweak their website for optimal speed. So he's seen hundreds of website setups at this point. So he's going to be critiquing our setup and give you tips on fixing yours based on his experience. So if you've always wondered if the number of plugins that you have on your site is costing you in site speed, if you should delay or defer your JavaScript, what the best CDN setup is, or what caching plugins you should not use in any case, you're in the right place. But before we get started, first, let me thank today's episode sponsor, Ahrefs, your Swiss Army Knife SEO tool. We'll tell you a little bit more about them later in the episode. I also want to let you know we've just launched a new YouTube channel for the industry and the first video is up there. We talk about why Reddit ranking for every keyword is a big issue and the spam issues that are related to it. So check it out and subscribe. But now let's jump into the interview. Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. And now your hosts, Gail Breton and Mark Webster. Hey, Brian. Thanks for joining me on the podcast. Super happy to have you. You're like one of my favorite page people that I learn from all the time. So really, really happy to have you. Thanks for coming. Yeah, no, thanks for the invite. So the angle of this episode is going to be, it's going to be a fun one. Like I'll tell you how we set our sites up in terms of site speed. I think I'm like a seven out of 10, I would say maybe something like, like I'm okay, but I can do better. And I've had issues in the past as well. Like I have definitely crashed websites during product launches, et cetera, because of poor, poor tech setup. So that has happened. But like, I want you, the guy who essentially spends his day looking at other people's websites and fixing them with them to tell me how I can do things better. And hopefully people can pick stuff up as we do that for their own setup, basically. That's kind of the idea. But before we get started, like you're looking at people's sites every day, right? And so I wanted to know, was there cases where people setup was like so bad, it was like harming their business and conversions, basically? Like, did that happen before? Yeah, no, yeah, for sure. I mean, I see two ends of the spectrum, kind of, because I would say like 70% of my day is kind of on support right now. I'm running PageSpeed Insight tests pretty much all day long. That's pretty much, I wake up, I do <laughs> that. And job. I yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> not what I originally signed up for, but that's kind of what it morphed into. Yeah, so I've seen the one spectrum where performance is literally costing them business because their site is literally crawling. I mean, literally, not even barely loading. But then I've also seen the other side where they're actually spending too much time and they're over-optimizing. That's a thing too. Like they're over-optimizing for just for the scores and you could actually hurt yourself that way. So there's kind of both ends of the spectrum. I think you called me a bit of an opti over-optimizer on the CDN setup, actually, when we get to that. I think I went overkill. And so I, I'm, I'm curious to see what you think when we get there. And have you also seen, like, you have people you've helped. Have you seen them fix that stuff, like all the tech stuff that is related to their speed? Maybe over-optimizing, maybe under-optimizing. And get essentially more Google traffic. Because like I've seen that. I've seen people when the site is easier to crawl for Google, it costs less resources for them to invest into crawling the pages. I've seen sites shoot up in rankings. Have you have you seen that? We get lots of positive feedback about that all the time. Like a customer reaches back out and lets us know like, hey, my traffic's up. Hey, my, my conversions are up. But even just in my own, uh, like a lot of my background is SEO. Mm -hmm. And so I've always done the speed optimization kind of as part of that. And like, I've seen it firsthand in all of my sites, content-based sites. Like, I mean, if you have two websites with 
similar content, the one thing you can beat them on is speed. If, if you have that, that's yeah, one yeah. advantage you can always take advantage of. And the problem is the bigger guys don't need that, to be frankly honest. Um, I had some guy usually the big guys, right? <laughs> exactly. And I had some guy reach out to me the other day and he shared with me the Taylor Swift website, which is running mm. on WordPress. It's not the shop. It's the main website. And it's horrible performance, horrible page speed scores, everything. But do you think that's actually going to stop any Taylor Swift fan <laughs> from going to the website? <laughs> They're like refreshing so, the whole time. That's why it's so slow. You know? Exactly. So um, <laughs> you have to think about like the smaller people almost need page speed stuff advantages more because they are having to compete more, essentially. So, and also they I mean. have less brand equity in a way. So like if you like if yeah. I really want to buy a MacBook, like I don't care if the Apple site is slow, I'll buy a MacBook, you know. But like yep. if you're like a no name laptop manufacturer are much less likely to to be patient enough to actually like deal with this yep. basic and potentially that would damage my vision of the brand if I don't already have a very high esteem of the brand, especially yeah. for tech products. Yeah, okay. So I think that's interesting because I think like Google has been kind of like downplaying the role of core vitals, etc. recently in their communication. I don't think it's the main thing. Like you need to make a good site before you actually care about how fast it goes. If it's a terrible site that goes very fast, you probably won't do well. But it's one thing that can play in there, especially people fixing like bad themes, for example. You know, themes are like mm -hmm. moving off uh, Elementor with like a million divs, etc. And the content is massively nested and so on. And cleaning that up, I've seen, I've seen pretty in, uh, big increase in traffic. And so I wanted to highlight that because it's like fixing your site speed not only helps your conversions, which people probably know about that, but actually can help your SEO. And it's like, you know, I kind of have like my week of site speed every year, kind of like, you know, it's like I spend a week kind of like re-optimizing this and catching up on what happened, etc. And then you can kind of forget about it. But it does go down as you make changes to your site. So that's why you need to revise it every week, uh, every year, sorry. Okay, let's jump onto the setup. I'll tell you what we use. So for hosting, I was checking Perf Matters website. And I see that you're recommending Kinsta. I think you were working there before. We did used to be on Kinsta, but eventually we ran out of PHP workers and they were quite, <laughs> yeah, they were quite stringent yeah. on that. And if I wanted more, it was extremely expensive, basically. Like I could have gotten more, but like the price was not fair. <laughs> so we yeah. moved to Cloudways and we use DigitalOcean Premium on there. I think it works pretty okay for us like what do you use for hosting what is your hosting and what do you think of cloudways in general now obviously yeah i'm biased with kinsta so like i have a couple recommendations i don't mind throwing out great okay the ones that i see on a daily basis that i don't want to bang my head against the desk when i'm working on a client site so like i do recommend kinsta and i think they've gotten better with their cloudflare mm. integration before that the php worker stuff was a but now that they've taken the cloudflare integration it's better cloudways I like working on Cloudways all the time. You have more control over how much stuff you need as far as like, you know, PHP workers go, how much CPU, memory, all that stuff you have. I would say less technical people don't go with Cloudways sometimes. And for those people, I would say um, Rocket.net and Big Scoots are two other ones to definitely mm -hmm. look at. So like Kinsta, Big Scoots, Rocket.net and Cloudways, those are actually the four that I say, hey, go try them all make your own decision, like see who works best for your setup. Because they all do things slightly differently. They price things in a different way, all sorts of stuff. And that's the thing that they, they all have now this Cloudflare integration where mostly they do full page caching yep. with it. So yep. you could argue that for 90% of your page views is exactly the same servers serving your files <laughs> yeah. to people, uh, regardless of the hosting yeah. you're using, right? Yep. But those are ones that I think still stack up performance wise, like behind the scenes, like when you're mm. not hitting cache, 
or that offer you know features you might need from the dashboard and also have good support too. So those are the ones I would stick with out of because there's hundreds of WordPress hosts now. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like everyone launched their WordPress host at some point. It's very lucrative. People don't move very often. So it's like, it's quite complicated. Yep. But I agree. I think Rocket.net, I haven't tried, but uh, they were the first ones offering full page caching with uh, Cloudflare, I think. And it's it's an interesting angle as well. It's like, these are like, like it's it's cheaper. Basically, Kinsta would be the high-end, but like more serviced version. Rocket.net would probably be the kind of like the lower, lower tier, but kind of same idea, maybe a little bit less good support. I haven't tried, but like they probably put less emphasis on that. And Cloudways is the DIY, more technical, but more control option, basically, uh, I would say. Okay, I guess there's not much else to say on hosting because, yeah, that's pretty much it. Pick the tier that works best for you. I want to talk about theme and page builders. Like, I, I put them together because basically, you know, what tech do you use to build your website? We use Generate Blocks and Generate Press. It's like, it's, uh, it's I, I quite like it. I think it's fantastic. I think most people don't realize how much stuff you can build with Generate Blocks. Uh, and how complex layout you can build. But like we're building like full, like we built multiple seven-figure sales pages with Generate Blocks that converted people and, and felt professional, basically. And I like the idea of being close to native WordPress because I'm like, well, whichever direction WordPress is going, like at least we're kind of like not falling behind like we may with a page builder. We did use Elementor before, but obviously Elementor has had a lot of technical issues, I guess. What's your take and what do you use? So we use Generate Press and Generate Blocks for everything. And okay. I was just logging into my site here because I was curious to see what the date was. I think I changed the URL at some point and did a redirect, so <laughs> that's not going to work. Um, but I've been using Generate Block or Press, I think, for seven years now. I mean, a really long time. And Generate Blocks, ever since he released it, I was excited when he first launched it. So I've been, I, love it, I hopped yeah. on that bandwagon the moment it came out. But like you said, the, the reason I'm doing that is because he's staying so close to native core blocks stuff. And that stuff's just as light as you can get, basically. I mean, I would love to use just WordPress core and the full site theme stuff that they're doing, but it's just not quite there yet. Um, I might I dive into that, you know, a year or two down the road again, just to see like, maybe I'll do my personal site, just all with WordPress core. Have you tried, so now there's kind of like, people are using CSS frameworks. So there's something called core framework. There's one called automatic CSS that are very popular and they add quite a bit to core WordPress, right? So it's like, I've, I've tried it actually. It's like, you can just take core WordPress and then uh, core framework really has quite a lot. Like, you know, you can do proper grids. You can, uh, like you have all your CSS classes that give you a lot of control over how things look much more than the default settings, etc. Like, have you seen these on, on client sites? And also I wanted to know how much bloat do you think they add? I have seen automatic CSS on actually quite a few sites. And I, I would say um, there's somewhere in the middle from what I've seen. So they're, well, I couldn't say the middle, but they're nowhere near Elementor, <laughs> but they're still not as lightweight as I think, as far as like generate press and generate blocks. But I think part of that is because generate blocks does such a good thing with the modular stuff that like what you're not using, what you're not using does not load mm -hmm. at all. So mm -hmm. it depends on how complex your site is, like maybe with automatic CSS, if you're running a more complex site, you'd be closer. But again, yeah, those that or, you know, the GPGB combo is what I always recommend to folks. Cadence and Cadence Blocks, another... People like it too, yeah. That's kind of my fallback that I say, if you if you don't want to do the generate press, go at least go down that route. And then um, Bricks, I was I'm, not a fan of bricks yeah. <laughs> I'm not a fan of page builders. Like, and I say this all over my blog, so it's not like a secret or anything. I just think they add too much bloat for what is needed. And um, 
So like Bricks is the closest thing to a page builder that like I would recommend right now. I think they're doing some really great stuff and they've kept the performance side the whole time because I've been I watched them in tickets and okay. um, they haven't just uh, gotten worse over time, essentially adding new features. So they've someone over there has taken a lot of time into making sure they stay stay fast. Essentially, Yeah, I like that. I think it's quite important because there's always kind of like new page builders coming out, new things, etc. And they all start with like the argument, oh, we're fast, we're performance oriented, etc. Then you go back like three years later and the whole thing is like completely bloated and, and it's like everyone yeah. who is using it is complaining about this. So that's one of the testaments I have for generate press, generate blocks. It's like they've been around for a long time. Like I think it's like six years, seven years at least that I've seen them around hasn't gone bloated. And I respect them for that because it's not easy, I think, uh, with the demand of features from users. Yeah. And another thing positive with that is I've never even really gone down trying to f- figure out a different tool because I haven't needed to. Generate press and generate blocks is the one thing that's like I've never changed over the last so many years. And I've changed, you know, contact form plugins, I've changed code snippet plug I've changed so many different things over the years um and that's the one thing that's just I love what he's doing and it always works it's always fast so there's one yeah. thing that I would complain about on generate press particularly is the menu system I think it's a little bit basic and if you want to make a little bit more advanced menus especially on mobile etc and make something a little bit nicer you lack of control there and it's not very easy to do so it's like on that part that's why I'm like ah maybe I would move to something like bricks if I want to do a site that has like a complex menu system because they have all these modules and it's a little bit better for example I would also say it can sometimes be difficult on WooCommerce sites, although mm. he is working on that stuff a lot. But if you need to really customize the WooCommerce site, that's definitely trickier on a generate press generate block. That's site. the thing. But you kind of end up with like custom code, like quite a bit of custom code after a point. Like you you hit if once you start your site becomes a bit more complex, you start hitting that point where there's a little bit of custom code everywhere. Well, I wish I picked something like Bricks because at least it has all the features baked in and I would use the system like as it is without having to kind of like document everything that I'm tweaking on my site and or hiring yeah. a developer, basically. So it's like, I think for most people, it's enough. Like for 90, 95% of people, generate press, generate blocks. It's the, the sweet spot between flexibility and uh, and the ability to do things. But on my personal projects, I'm hitting some points sometimes, as I said, with the menu system or like customizing some yeah checkout pages, things like that, then where it gets a little... Uh, a little iffy, but I heard there's a big update coming for generate blocks very soon, actually, with the, the classes and everything, right? And I'm pretty excited for yep. that, actually. And I also recommend people, because lots of clients I talk to, I don't know why they don't go there, but go check out the site library on generate press site and the block pattern library on generate block mm. site. Like it gives you, you can import them if you need something to start with faster, but like it gives you a better idea of like what you can do because people think you're just starting from scratch and like, if I was building a new website right now, I would actually yeah. be importing a site library and then tweaking that. I would not just be starting with a blank page because even myself, like I don't know Generate Press that great <laughs> to just yeah. do from a blank page. Actually, now of course we have Generate Blocks, uh, like we made Generate Blocks templates for people for like content sites and so on, and you can import them and oh, really? save them in yeah. the in the local patterns, so they can then just reuse them whenever they want. So yeah, I agree. It's pretty it's pretty useful. Anything else on theme and page builder framework? So far, I'm doing okay with your setup. I think when we get to CDN, that's when we will disagree. But <laughs> anything else on theme and page builder? I don't think so. And, okay. you know, I don't have anything against Elementor. I think they created 
they solved a need that was there at the time. They've gone back and trying to fix performance issues, but like with stuff like that, yeah. it, they ran so fast. It's just really hard to go back and recode every. I mean, it's just yeah, it's yeah really like hard. Bricks just has better tech, right? The editor is like much faster, and like I remember making sales pages on Elementor, it was just exploding when it was a really big page. Like I was running out of memory on my computer or something. Whereas something like Bricks is has like a more modern tech and it works a lot better. So if I picked a page builder to build a new site today, I would pick Bricks like 100%. Yeah. And I do yeah, always tell people like try to take advantage of the block system and WordPress as much as you can because yeah, like ev everything is headed towards blocks. So like that's really where you want to be if you can. And it's not that bad. I know a lot of people hate it. Like a lot of marketers, they install like, you know, the, the classic editor. You know? <laughs> I'm like, yes, yeah. like it's time to move on now. <laughs> that train has... I hated Gutenberg too when it launched, but like I, I'm a full convert and I love blocks now. Not for writing. I do not like the editor for writing, but I love it for designing now. I like it too. It's just a uh, you need to get used to it. It's an acquired taste, let's just say that. Let's talk about caching plugins. So that's one thing where actually I don't think I follow your recommendations because from the content I've consumed from you, you basically say server caching is always better. And uh, if your host has a server caching built in, you should always use this. If they have a plugin, they should always use this. So I tried that on Cloudways. They have a plugin called Breeze that is a caching plugin, etc. My performance went down compared to WP Rocket, basically, like pretty much every metric went down. Uh, and some things that WP Rocket was taking care of were not taken care of anymore. Uh, like remove a new CSS, but now I've moved it to Perf Matters. So we'll talk about Perf Matters a little bit later. But like some, some issues with like, you know, fonts, like pre-caching, et cetera, didn't work as well. And I ended up with worse performance basically on, on Core Web Vitals, et cetera. So, What's your setup today? I guess it depends on the hosting you're using. And do you still recommend that? Yes. So I would say it does recommend on the host, but I'll kind of give you like the two setups. Okay. And we should probably define cache plugin because when I say cache plugin, so, I think of just page cache, not the other optimizations. Mm -hmm. So we can talk about that too. But so, so a lot of our clients, like they're on managed hosts and a lot of the managed hosts have their own cache solution. And then they're using our Perf Matters plugin for all the front end optimizations. So that's the one kind of setup we see. Yeah. The other setup is people say that are on like shared hosting or already have a cache plugin like Rocket installed. So they're using that instead. And for those, I do recommend Rocket, WP Fastest Cache, and Flying Press has been doing some good stuff. I was going to say, I like that He's there's gone, a site called uh, Online Media Master that I think is the best yeah. site for site speed. And he recommends that very much. I haven't tried it. I, I wanted to know what you think, actually. And I don't like to talk bad about plugins at any time. And this might be a bug, but they haven't responded to me. So they've started disabling things in other optimization plugins mm. Flying Press has. I don't like that. I don't think it holds up to the WordPress ecosystem. I like we work along with Rocket Auto Optimize. We like to work with all the plugins out there and for them they're like going in and disabling and just resetting features in plugins. I see. So, it might be a bug if it is. I'm sure they'll fix it. But I I like what they're doing too. So yeah, Flying Press, Rocket, and WP Fastest Cache. Those are kind of the three caching plugins I recommend if you're just doing caching and then like I said it depends on kind of what host you're on for what you what you need. Like if you're at SiteGround, I actually recommend using their SG Pretty optimizer. Good, yeah. I think they renamed it. And the main reason is they have a couple layers of different cache that are involved. And you really want to use the plugin that their devs are working on with their own cache environment because otherwise you run into other problems with other cache plugins. So sometimes when you're at a solution that has their own cache plugin, it can be better to use theirs. Okay. Well, good because we in our beginners course we teach 
people to use SiteGround and we tell them to use this plugin as well because actually it's free and it's decent actually I found it's not perfect yeah. but it's like for a free solution I found it pretty decent basically okay so you've said like FramePress is not a very good caching plugin I mean you know you said it's a very good caching plugin but they well, go they're on the great top of the plugin yeah they're just doing some weird practices lately and so I would still recommend you know check them out but um I've had some clients that I'm just telling them to go I can't help them at all because flying press is just turning everything off in our plugin. Yeah, so it's, uh, yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, it's strange. No other optimization plugins do that. So what are the worst optimization, what are the worst caching plugins? Like what, what are the setups you hate to see when a client comes to you and you're like, why are you using W2, W3 cache or something like this, for example? I always get the name wrong, but it's W3TC or whatever. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I always forget the acronyms for that. I do not like that one. It's been bloated for years, in my opinion, and it just kind of stayed bloated. I'm not a big fan of super cache either, which I think WordPress.com recently, I think they required that and now they're working on it. So it might, that one might get better. I'm not a fan of Jetpack either. Mm, you know, fair enough. They've been doing some work improving stuff, but they add some bloat and uh, it's kind of like the Elementor thing. They added all this stuff and now they're working on going back and figuring out like, how can we it's not have everything great, yeah. load? So yeah, those Jetpack W3TC, Supercache, those are kind of the three I don't really like working with, to be honest. Okay. I actually like working with Breeze at Cloudways, but like you said, it, it depends on what you're using. If you're using all the optimization features, I might... I might not recommend it. So it depends yeah. on what you're using. For just the cache part, I think they do a well, a good job. But how about object caching? Because like Cloudways has like object caching with like Redis and stuff. Would you recommend people yeah. use that? If you have the opportunity to enable object caching, I, I always say do it because basically it's you have your page cache and then that's basically cache for the database queries. If you can reduce calls, I mean, at any layer, database, pages, I mean, it's always a good thing to do, especially if you're running a e-commerce site or anything. So yeah, if yeah. you have it. It depends on if you don't have it and you're thinking about paying for it, it really depends on the site. If it's just a blog with full page cache at Cloudflare, I don't think you're going to see the benefit you're wanting. If your site is more dynamic, maybe it's more useful. If your site is more static, yeah. it's maybe a little bit less useful. Yeah. yeah. But it's, uh, if it's free, you guys say it's, it's, it's free, but it's an extra setup. So people who use Cloudways need to actually go and like install the plugin and then connect it, et cetera. There's a little bit of setup. So it's like, I was wondering if people should do that, basically. I see it on maybe... I would say a good 20% of the sites I work on and okay. no, really no issues with most, most of the Yeah, time, I so. agree. I've never had any issue there, really. I want to talk about essentially like front-end caching plugin settings, the stuff that you see in most caching plugins. For example, a lot of caching plugins offer you to make a cache file for mobile and for desktop. Is that a good thing or should I, since my site is supposed to be responsive, do I, do I really need to do that or not really? It depends. Oh, that's like and, SEO. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it depends. <laughs> So yeah, it's really because hosts have different cache buckets behind the scenes, same with Cloudflare. So it, a lot of people don't know this, but there's like a mobile cache bucket and a desktop cache bucket. So yeah. if you enable like, I think Rocket has like mobile cache, you can just turn it on. Then it's separating the cache out at all the layers down the line for mobile and desktop. It can be beneficial. So like if you're using our Perf Matters plugin, Mm -hmm. We have rules where you can disable things on mobile and desktop and usually will require mobile cache to be on. And the reason is we're using this native WordPress core query to detect if you're on a mobile device. We're not using JavaScript. We're using a PHP function. And for that, it needs to be separated out. Okay. So it really depends on, you know, if you're optimizing things a lot for device-specific stuff, you might mm. need to enable it. Does it make pages faster? So for example, like on my sales pages, I'll tell you, I have image aspect ratio quite a lot. I have image, some images that are like wide for desktop 
and they become tall for mobile so that it doesn't become, it's, it stays a good experience. Does that help or not really? No, so that's probably all just media queries with CSS. Yeah, okay. So that wouldn't wouldn't be impacted by the cache layer at all. Okay, so. cool. Just this it, one I didn't know actually. So interesting. Yeah, it's, it's more if you're like really fine tuning things to like, I want to disable things completely. And disabling completely is different than hiding, which is what like a media query is doing. Okay, so. cool. So for I guess for most of our listeners, it doesn't really matter then. So same, like, Minifying CSS and JavaScript files, is that something that you do? And if you do it, do you do it on your caching plugin or do you do it on your CDN level, like on Cloudflare, et cetera? Oh, and I think I missed one word in there. And what was the question about the JS files? Minifying CSS and oh, JavaScript. Minifying. Okay, yeah. If you can minify, minify them at the CDN level, that's always the best route to go. So Cloudflare has that in their free plan. So uh, I mean, that's, that basically. that's what we use. Um, and a lot of the hosts, I think, just have it enabled with their Cloudflare integration. I have never seen a problem with minification at the CDN level. So that's why it's pretty much just enabled by default. Um, but can, can there be a problem if you activate it both on your caching plugin and on the CDN? Or it's like people are fine? No, because there's a, if you minify a file that's not minified, it'll usually turn into like .min, .min.js, yeah, okay. .min.css. And then the Cloudflare will actually, they skip all those files from minification. Okay. So they don't even look at it. However, I was talking about to someone the other day about this, and he was asking, we don't do minification in our plugin, in Perf Matters. We've thought about adding it and we're still on the fence, but the reason we don't is because I looked at his site and I was like, you don't have a single file on your site that isn't already minified by the developers already in your plugin. Mm. They all had .min.js, .min.css. And so I told them, if you're going to enable that in a plugin, it actually is just going to add another query to check yeah, it's to another see piece of work, right? what if is not minified. So people need to think about, look at their site and... 99% of developers are minifying things beforehand these days. So I think there's a big assumption that like, I'm going to turn on minification is going to like add all this performance. That's not what's happening anymore. Now, five years ago, I would have argued something different. But minification these days is you're maybe finally in one file that's a straggler. And if you have Cloudflare already doing it at the CDN level, there's not even any reason to do that at all. So I would take a look at what your site is first. Yeah. And now a quick word from the sponsor of today's episode. Imagine you just woke up, you're on your laptop, sipping your morning coffee and casually open your rank tracking tool. You hit the refresh button and take a bite into a fresh, juicy apple and then it hits you. A sea of red arrows pointing down, your website traffic is down 30%. You open Twitter and people are running around like headless chickens trying to understand what happened. Nobody seems to know except the gurus trying to pimp out their courses or services to help you recover your rankings. But you don't need them because Ahrefs got your back. A couple days after the update, you can use their new organic competitor report, set the dates to compare the traffic now and before the update, and pinpoint exactly who has been winning the update. Or maybe you just lost traffic for one important keyword. Well, you can also do that on the keyword level inside the Keyword Explorer. Set the compare date to before the update and seamlessly see who went up and down. You now have a personalized blueprint on who to model after to regain your lost rankings. You now have a personalized blueprint on who to model after to regain your lost rankings thanks to Ahrefs. But you don't need to wait until your site goes down to an update to use these tools and gain traffic today by outsmarting your competition. So check out Ahrefs on Ahrefs.com and you too can be an SEO genius. And now back to the interview. 
Another thing that I think is getting old, but people are still doing, so I want to talk about this, which is combining CSS and JavaScript files. Like I'm telling you, marketers that don't necessarily understand the tech, like, you know, they see this box in their caching plugin, they're like, oh my God, great. It's just going to be one file, so much easier, only one connection, whatever. And the plugins sell it well to you. From my understanding, it's not really worth it anymore. But what's your take on this? Right. So since... There's a web tech server technology called HTTP2, and that came out, oh man, I think it was back in 2017, or it's, it's, it's been a while. It's been a while. 2016. <laughs> and ever since that came out, it's technically been faster for the servers, and this applies to CDNs too, they're all servers, to load individual files in parallel. Basically, they're pushing through single files faster than one mm. large file. And now we're on HTTP3, and we're on um, Quick with Cloudflare. And I would say 95% of the sites I work on all are running through Cloudflare now. So server-wise, it's not faster to combine files at all. Now, there is a case where you might see page speed score increases sometimes. Mm. From the but tools, I would argue, yeah. yeah, from the tools. However, in my opinion, you're really doing yourself a disservice because there's scores and then there's how fast your site actually feels and load time. I agree. These are separate things sometimes. Usually they correlate, but not always. And so by combining files, you can sometimes hurt your your load time, actually. And you you definitely don't want to hurt that. So never combine files, ever. There's not never... Um, a good time to do that. And I, I'm thankful that like Rocket, they're actually now warning people not to do that. So mm -hmm. some of the plugins that launched with Combine like have started like, we don't recommend it's still in the plugin, but we don't recommend turning this on. So it's one we don't, we didn't add it to our plugin at all and aren't going to. So we kind of just, we got to skip that part, <laughs> thankfully with our plugin. It's just like, I know a lot, historically, like a lot of market has been building sites for like 10 plus years, you know, it's like, Historically, people have been doing that. And by default, yep. you know, they put on your site and they do that. Uh, but I think you raised a good point on like, there's the perceived site speed and the actual score in a tool. It reminds me like a, a long time ago, like seven years ago or something like this, about a page speed service, you know, some guy came and optimized our site. It's like a, a, the, the scores increased in the Google tool, but the site felt horrible to use. Like everything was so sluggish yep. and, you know, it would load weirdly, you know, it would kind of like have a black screen between each page when you click on an internal link or something. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. that was just horrible. I undid everything like three days later, even though that, that brought our site speed down in the score because in the end, conversions were down due to the fact that the site was horrible to use. Is that something you see often? Is that is that the over-optimizers you see uh, all the time? I was just going to say, that's the over-optimized kind of term I use. It's like when you're, they're literally just looking at scores and they're not even, like use another tool at least, like GT Metrics to like monitor your total load, like at least look at stuff mm -hmm. like that while you're doing the scores. Like a lot of times it should correlate together. Like you fix some JS issues, like there's less JS loading, like that should result in faster scores. But it's not always the case. And when you, you start clicking on all these optimization things, you know, you can, you can wrong, see yeah. your load time score go down. <laughs> so, I, yeah. And I recommend as well, people test their site in an incognito window, not logged in. Because quite often the rules yes. are quite different. When you're logged in, your site might feel very snappy, etc. And you're going incognito and the site is, is a nightmare to use and it's sluggish and you scroll and it's lagging and so on. So yeah, it's like uh, use an incognito window. I always have my incognito browser on my laptop screen on the side and my main walk window on the on the main screen so that I kind of get feedback when I do things as well. So yeah, that's a tip I would say. Yep. I always have um I use Orion browser. I don't know if you've heard of that. Yeah. It's a no, Safari it's for, uh variant, right? Yeah, it's a surfer and I kinda leave that I have that open twenty four seven as just like my 
uh, speed test <laughs> browser. Mm. So that's kind of how I do it. So like the incognito works too, but like, yeah, I just have like a separate browser <laughs> consistently just yeah, to test with that no stuff. cache. Yeah. So exactly. Yeah. You don't want to have a local cache basically because otherwise uh, that does that. So the next thing I want to talk about in terms as we're in the settings that people are all using, like is deferring JavaScript always a good idea and can it cause problems? Oh, delaying? Deferring. Oh, deferring. So yeah, I th defer is always a good thing to do. I always okay. tell people to enable that um, as just kind of like the default. Now, there are some times where it can break things. However, if you're conferring, and I'm like, maybe we'll talk about delay JavaScript. That was my next bit, question. But, like, what's the difference? But I would say, looking at the difference, I would say defer breaks things maybe, oh, I would say 2% of the time. So it's very, mm. very rare. And it's usually on these bigger WooCommerce elementary sites that just have, you know, 95 plus JS scripts running that, that they run into an issue. But yeah, I always say defer, good thing, enable it. You shouldn't really have any issues. So, But then if you go into delay, that's where people usually run into the issues. And I don't know if you want to talk any more about defer or uh, that one's pretty I mean, straightforward, to be honest. Uh, no, I think um, it's fine. We can talk about delay. It's like if it's mostly mostly good for people, is that's what they want to hear, I think, you know? Yeah, so with delay, that's the most powerful. I mean, and you can run delay and defer at the same time. Mm -hmm. So like take perf matters, for example, if you click defer on, which I always recommend people do, and then click delay on, defer is still going to apply to whatever's not delayed, if that makes sense. So say, say you're running Elementor. We have like quick exclusions, like in a box, you can click on delay. Say like, I don't want to delay Elementor core JS. So you click that on, then that stuff will still be deferred because that's not delayed anymore. Um, and then the rest of the JS will be delayed. Delay, it's one of those weird things that it's it kind of like a hack, but it's also kind of also following what Google's telling you to do because you're basically delaying it on user interaction. You're saying, I don't need this JS to load right away. Yeah, so why should it? Mouse, right? It sounds hacky, but like if you think about it, like it's if you don't need the JS, it shouldn't be loading. Like at all, and also it really reduces your your page, like increases your page speed because basically all the stuff that's delayed is not counted in the original page speed optimization score, right? And that's where I think people think it's like a little hacky too, because mm. it's like yeah. a page speed miracle kind of a thing. Sometimes people think, but like it it is kind of following what Google is telling you to do, like reduce the amount of JavaScript that you're loading, and that is one way to do it. Like loading it asynchronously in the background after a click, I don't see any problem with that. Like it's it's a good practice. So, so do you delay everything? How do you decide what to delay, what to not delay? Like, do you have to put exclusions? Like how do you know what to put in there, what not to put in there? So lots of plugins kind of all, I mean, you know how okay. it goes. All these plugins are kind of overlapping with the same features. We yeah. kind of all have this like quick exclusion type of thing that we've all done. Oh, so you have a list. Yeah, we have a list. And so like Rocket's maintaining their own list. We have our own list. All these you plugins copy have each other's list. list. Like, do you go get their list and then just update yours, and then they update theirs on yours? No, <laughs> we. I don't know what they're doing. We purposely don't update ours on theirs because I will say this, and uh, I think they would probably admit to this as well. But Rocket has way more volume than we do, so yeah. they're working with so many clients that they have so many more problems than we do. So they might be adding more exclusions or more broader exclusions to fix some of these issues. Whereas we're trying to squeeze out like every millisecond. So we might so not add list, yeah. an exclusion sometimes where, you know, it might create a support ticket for us sometimes. 
but we'd rather not add it because we're trying to squeeze out <laughs> like every okay. millisecond. So it sometimes means you got to fine tune more with perf matters, but we prefer to go that route just because we we're always like looking at that last millisecond type of thing. You guys are like the enthusiast tool, you know, you're like the kind of like <laughs> kind the, of, nerd, yeah. the nerd yeah. one, you know? So it's like the we people wanna... who buy DJI drones and the people who like build their own drones and like kind of like <laughs> exactly. treat them, etc. If it's not needed for every single site, we're never going to add it. And then there's all these like Rocket and us too. Like we're sometimes we're adding exclusions behind the scenes that you never mm. see that are always needed. So that's happening too. So like we're always improving the functionality and how it works with things. And the most popular products, those are the ones we're obviously spending our most time on to help fix any issues. So, you know, like Elementor, we're looking at Elementor daily if there's new issues. So stuff like that, we're, we're always looking at. Okay, I think that's enough on, on uh, deferring and delaying JavaScript. Let's talk about preloading now. It's also quite important trick to optimize your page speed. Essentially, you can preload your fonts, you can preload images. And then there's another different options, but you see that as preloading in tools as well, preloading links, so that it kind of like preloads when you hover your mouse or something. What are these? Can you explain these in simple terms for people who are not as technical? How important yeah, are so, they and what are the best practices? Yeah, let me ex maybe explain what it does first and then we can talk mm -hmm. about each of those file types because they're kind of different. So yeah, preloading in general means you add a preload tag to any type of resource, it bumps it up to the top of the waterfall and you're one, you're making it load right away. So let's say you have a, an image that's in a banner. Most common mm. thing on sites, you have an Elementor with a banner image going across the top. The problem with how sites are structured, and this isn't really anybody's fault, it's just how the website has evolved. Many times that banner image will load way down the waterfall. Like sometimes on an Elementor site, I've seen it load like the 60th request okay. for that banner image. And like Google is telling you, like the LCP, largest contentful paint, they want the stuff above the fold to load mm -hmm. as fast as possible. And usually the biggest thing that takes the longest time to paint is that hero banner image. Mm -hmm. Google wants that to load right away. And so LCP is one of the biggest things it's impacted by is that big image there. And so if you preload the image, bump that from you know 67th place up to say second or third place after the logo and some other stuff perhaps, you're gonna see your LCP dramatically increase, or sorry, decrease, I guess you would say, but yeah, yeah. improvement. So I do tons of preload and telling people to preload all day long now because LCP seems to be like one of the biggest struggles for people right now. There's always some new thing and right now it's LCP for me. Uh, my, my trick usually for LCP is just to make the title bigger so it becomes the LCP. That is another trick. If you can bump your hero image or your featured image below the fold, always do that. Always do that. But if you make the, the H1 larger, if it becomes the LCP because of the page that structure, true, yeah. then it's so much easier to do that with text yep. than it is to do with images. So it's like my kind of like uh, the advice I give to people is just took your design basically so that yeah. the LCP becomes the H1 and then it's so much easier to fix actually. And with that too, we can go into fonts. Okay. Of like H1 stuff. So preloading fonts is usually a good thing I recommend. The problem these days, and these are kind of hacks that it's just kind of evolved this way, is if you have just a normal site with normal fonts from Google, like you're going to mm. see this leverage CSS display warning type of thing. And Google kind of wants it to fall back to default fonts and then switch back. The swap thing, right? The swap thing, yeah. yeah. So they want you to add swap to your fonts basically these days. And the problem with that is when you add swap sometimes, it introduces CLS as in like 
shifts on the page. Uh, to explain to people what happens is basically it loads the system font, so the font that's on your computer first for the title. So like whatever macOS or Windows is using. And then whenever it has the file for the font, it swaps the font. So it makes kind of like the title blink a little bit when the font changes. And that creates CLS, which is essentially instability when the page loads, because when your phone comes, et cetera, it just moves the layout of the page a little bit, and that increases that score, basically. And so it's, I think they need to actually fix this in PageSpeed Insights, to be frankly mm. honest, but um, both are good practices. But the problem is, like, you're fixing one warning with the display swap. So that you fixes the one leverage display thing. And then um, with that, you're, you're now causing CLS a lot of the times. Not always, but most of the time. And so to fix the CLS, then you need to really preload your fonts to get them to load sooner. But if you think about it, if you're making them load sooner, what's the purpose of falling back of to swapping. the system font? Yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's where we are. And so for a lot of people, like swap is kind of the normal now, even like generate press. Like if you add a Google font, like they have an option for swap in there. Mm -hmm. Like lots of things are just adding swap now. So then preload has now kind of just become the standard to kind of fix that problem. So now I, I usually recommend people preload their fonts. And then the issue you have with that <laughs> is lots of these bigger sites will have 10 10, 15, 20 fonts loading. Um, so I see that all there. the time. I know people that are more careful with their sites think like, what? Yeah, they never see. But yeah, that's I see that daily. Then you can't just preload 20 fonts. Like that's not a good idea. Because <laughs> um, then so you can do H1, right? You, you preload just what you need for the H1 and that's it. You can do that. If you're super OCD about fine tuning, you can preload <laughs> like just what's above the fold type of thing. Yeah. Usually if you have just three to four fonts, I say preload all of them, to be honest. Okay. But you can go like hyper-focused to see like what you're loading up there. But yeah, generally I say like reduce the number of fonts you're loading. Most sites should not be loading more than five fonts, in my opinion. When you say fonts, does it include different font weights for the same font? Yeah, each font... Like each WAF2 that's loading is a different font style, font, font, exactly. font weight, and different font class, like Roboto, Montserrat type of thing. That's how people um, end up with 15 fonts. It's not like the website was yep. like some kind of carnival website or something. It's just uh, <laughs> No, no. <laughs> Usually they've got in their theme or page builder and say like, oh, I want to use these three fonts. And then like mm. maybe they don't look at like, oh, it's also just defaulting to bold, italic, regular, and then suddenly you have it multiplying really, really fast. So That's how it gets to a lot, yeah. Yeah, and so then they got to go back in usually and say like, you're not actually using italics here, maybe for anything. You're only using bold on maybe your H1, you know? So like you need that on whatever your font for your H1 is. So you like reduce the fonts, preload them, and then have display swap on them. That's kind of the, the three-tier system. Yeah, I mean, that's a big one. Especially if this is your LCP, it will matter, actually. So if you want to pass call with vitals, it's something you have to do. Yep. For most or people. even better for fonts is use system fonts and don't use yeah. any... I, I still like to design my sites a little <laughs> bit more than that. <laughs> it depends on what you're... So like we use... I like system fonts now, but I'm so used to it that I've kind of forgot how nice fonts look. But yeah, I, I agree. 99% of the sites out there they're using fonts for design reasons. So like there's yeah. design performance, you got to find whatever works best for your That's site. That's the thing. You don't need to, your site to be perfect in every aspect. Like branding, in my opinion, is also quite important. And it's like, you yeah. should not, like you can tweak your design to make like your H1 a bit bigger. So it's the LCP and trick Google, et cetera. But like, I would not necessarily give up and make like a super, super basic, basic site. If you already have a strong brand with like a strong brand image, et cetera, like don't give that up for site speed, yeah. I would say. I'm willing to lose some points in site speed for the site to be in brand, basically. Yeah.
No, yeah, I agree. Always, there's always a medium you got to find. <laughs> exactly. Another thing you find in these plugins is cleaning your database, right? So how important is that? Like, I'm always wondering, like, you know, I have this huge server on Cloudways. <laughs> like, really, is it going to struggle if my database is massive or something? Is that really important in terms of performance in front end, especially if I'm like full page caching with Cloudflare, et cetera? Or is that something that's kind of oldish? I mean, database size does matter. I mean, obviously most sites are not going to run into a problem where their database is actually like killing their site. WooCommerce sites can definitely be worse. So it is good though to keep things like normal database optimization. So like all these, we have it in our plugin, you know, all these database optimization plugin cleaners, like clearing out transients, clearing out Everyone has it, dr yeah. drafts, comments, you know, all the just standard stuff. Like that's always good to do because you definitely want to keep things as small as possible. But even that stuff alone, like it's not going to, it's not really going right. to kill your database for maybe, you know, maybe if you went 10 years or something. But like, yeah, that's databases were designed to handle lots and lots of data. Now, the thing is with e-commerce sites, that can be a little trickier because when you get, say, let's say you have a an e-commerce site with, I don't know, 10,000 clients. I mean, you're starting to get into and they're like, say they're renewing or something and you've been going for 10 years, like you're probably looking at, well, I don't know, like you're getting into the 80,000, 100,000 rows in the database yeah, okay. and stuff like that. And so you're starting to look into like adding indexes to your database to add and the faster, but this gets really, really technical. And so I would work with you know, a developer. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying once there is a point where your database will need some um, taken yes. care of. But if, if it's a blog, I wouldn't worry about as much. If it's an e-commerce site, it really depends on how long you've been going and how many customers you have type of have and how many plugins you have running. So that's so is that, is that really a thing that it's like, is it the number of plugins that matter that makes your site slow or is it the quality of the plugins? Because I always keep telling people like, it's not like, don't be afraid to install a plugin. Like don't install shit plugins. You know what I mean? I feel like this, this idea of like, oh, if you have too many plugins, your site's going to be slow. Is that a real thing? Or? Well, it is because people don't know how to clean them up okay. properly, in my opinion. So the number itself is not a problem, like you said. Okay. Like if you go, if I go install 50 plugins right now, that's not necessarily a bad thing. But people, you know, even I myself, like we all try plugins and then we move to different plugins over time. And oh, so yeah. the problem is most people don't clean them up properly. And so that's where it does create database bloat. And you don't want records and rows in your database that don't really need to be there. <laughs> so here's a good example. Like... And I love, this is using Fluent Forms. We just moved from Fluent Forms to WS Form. And okay. I still love Fluent Forms for performance. If you need a fast, lightweight contact form plugin, I still recommend them as number one. If you need some more options and stuff, like I, I'm really liking WS Form right now. But the problem is when I went to uninstall it, two things here, I guess I should say. Most plugins should have a clean uninstall option in their like tools page. So you can go check that on, then deactivate and delete the plugin. And it will actually run a process in the background to delete all those database rows and data. That's how you really want to properly uninstall a plugin. If it doesn't, which Fluent Forms is one example here, they had 12 different rows in my database. I was like, okay. I don't want these in here anymore. And so I had to go manually delete them. Now, a lot of times you can just reach out to the developer. You want to be careful, obviously, anybody listening to this, like make a backup of your database first with your host. But like you can reach out and usually they'll just put give you a list if you're unsure of which database records um, to do. Is there plugins that, is there like a more automated solution? Like is there a plugin to install plugins, for example? <laughs> Wouldn't that be a good, uh, a good plugin? <laughs> there are a couple of database 
I think, optimization plugins that try to do that, but I would not recommend it. For this stuff, I always recommend doing it on a case-by-case basis. Like, okay. It's pretty easy to see in your database. Like, This gets technical, but like, you can go into PHP My Admin with your host, it's not that look bad, at your... Yeah. Da- and see, like you can see, like Fluent Forms, they're all named like FS Form or you know whatever. You know which pretty much which plugins are coming from, and like then, like you know, I would do a double check to be like go to their documentation, make sure that yeah, these are their database records. Like then delete them, fine. Yeah, but stuff like that is good to do. Make sure you're uninstalling plugins properly. And if you haven't, you might want to go back and take a look. Like if it's been ten years and you've been, we had to do that recently, and it's like our database was a huge mess. I think we cut we cut so much out of it because it's like we uninstalled. Like we had so many plugins we tried and didn't uninstall, etc. Now it's like I actually use. I can't remember who does that, but it's basically if you go and type in your browser try.new, it basically launches a new WordPress install, and I just like install the plugin there at least to try it there, and then if I like it, then it might come to my production uh, or to a stage or something like this but like literally you're logged in onto a wordpress install if you go on try.new and bam you can just you can just install that plugin if you want to try so that's how i do yep yep are you thinking of insta wp yeah. or there's another one too yeah so yeah no i yeah that's a great way i use insta wp myself like constantly just it's great for just like i need to test one thing with a plugin and then just destroy it or not care exactly. about what happens afterwards exactly. <laughs> so like, it's my way of finding, like, essentially, like, testing the plugins. Like, I want to find a new plugin. I'm trying 10. That's what I do. I just spin up and install. And you don't even need to register for this thing. Like, you don't need to be logged in. You don't need anything. You can just do it, which is pretty cool. Yep. Let's talk about CDNs. Just for context, essentially, a CDN is basically a server from a company like Cloudflare that's going to host your files are closer to where the visitor is, your larger files, so JavaScript, CSS, and images usually. And you'll be able to, like, if the visitor is, like, in Sydney, they won't have to connect to the server in New York. They will have like a server in Singapore. They can pull the, the file from there. And like the biggest parts of your, your page are essentially going to load faster for them because there's less physical distance to, to load it from, just to give some context to people. And there's two types of CDN, right? There's a traditional CDN. Is it called a reverse CDN? Like I, I, that's how I call it, like for, for Cloudflare. Like, do you call it a reverse CDN or do you call it something else? Or you might be thinking of like reverse proxy. Reverse proxy. Here you go. Yeah. I really don't use that terminology anymore just because it confuses people. It's not really that someone. anymore, right? But yeah, it's it's more like a, I call it just a thing that sits in between both sites type of thing, <laughs> between okay. your site and the public internet kind of thing. But yeah. Okay. So the traditional CDN for people is basically it rewrites the URLs, right? So the link to your CSS style sheet or the link to your image is going to be rewritten in your HTML. And so that's going to the server and this server is yep. just going to figure out where to get the file from. Whereas uh, the Cloudflare level thing is essentially on the DNS level, so it's on your domain name level. Before your site files are getting hit, they actually try to essentially get the files before that, and that is pretty fast. Let's talk about my setup, and then you'll tell me what you think. I use books, and the reason why is because CDNs don't have a 100% hit rate, right? So it's like essentially 80% of the time they might have the file in memory, and 20% they might not have it. So I use Bunny CDN, like, as a traditional CDN on our website. So it rewrites the URLs and there's like a custom subdomain. And so like images, JavaScript, et cetera, is being pulled from there in the HTML. But I also use Cloudflare APO. And the idea for me is if Cloudflare misses, it falls back to Bunny. And then essentially Bunny has this permanent storage, which allows you to 
more like be more likely to hit the cash basically that's why i think i fall maybe into the overkill of your of your optimizers it has worked pretty well for me i'm pretty happy with it and it's not too bad bunny is pretty cheap it's you pay on usage like a simple content site depending on your traffic like three bucks to ten bucks a month maybe something like this and cloudflare apo is like five bucks i use cloudflare pro so it's 20 but like cloudflare apo is five bucks normally so for like 15 bucks a month. I feel like you have like essentially double caching through CDN. How do you feel about that setup? What's wrong with it? And how would you yeah, do no, it? Yeah, no, yeah, <laughs> no. Before Kinsta, I was at KeyCDN, which is another mm. provider. So like I've worked a lot with CDN. So, and Bunny was actually going to be the, the third one I mentioned, like Cloudflare, KeyCDN, Bunny. Those are the three that I really like and see the mm -hmm. most and work with. So on your, on your setup, uh -huh. one other thing is that is a good way to go if you need permanent storage longer for your files, um, you mm. can actually do that with Cloudflare too. They have this permanent yeah, long-term storage thing. Yeah, they just released it, but when I set it up, it wasn't there <laughs> for my defense. And I haven't even tried it yet. I just know that they have it mm. now. So I haven't tried it either. So I'm not sure if it works well or if there's you know still issues with it. But the route you went is correct because like a lot of times things will not hit cache and your files are probably something like, say, an image. You mm. want it to hit cache as much as possible. Like it's not changing at all. Um, probably for particularly a long time. because we have some blog posts with low traffic, and so my guess is the CDN loses the cache, and therefore it hits the origin server quite often because of that. And that's why I wanted the, yep. the permanent cache. Actually, I pretty much recommend to every single person now to use APO. Or um, it's really good, yeah. a lot of the hosts will have, they call it Cloudflare full page cache or edge cache. And essentially for people just to know, like that's the same thing as APO, like Cloudflare full page cache, edge cache, APO. It's kind of all doing the same thing. I tried and I got better performances with APO actually. It's weird. Like I tried to, um, maybe it's like in my head, maybe I got a bad day or something like this. <laughs> or maybe <laughs> I didn't be. give it enough time to cache. But like I tried the Cloudways one because they have it and I tried APO I had, and I just switched from one to the other to see kind of like how we're doing. And I performed better on APO. I don't know why. Help me please. Well, no, I know. <laughs> No, I know why. And it's because the host integrations actually have all this other stuff running for web application firewalls. Mm -hmm. They're actually, most of them are mm -hmm. giving you the enterprise version of Cloudflare, which has so much more stuff actually running, like security level stuff. It's stuff that a lot of sites should have running. However, yeah. it also adds overhead too. Okay. To that initial call and like the TTFB, it adds mm -hmm. time to first byte. It adds overhead to that call. And so that's what you're seeing with some of the host integrations. When you go just straight, like sign up for a Cloudflare account, add APO, you're mm -hmm. literally just using their free firewall, which is pretty basic. Or the pro one, I think has a few things, but it's not enterprise stuff running. And you're basically just utilizing APO for every hit. <laughs> um, so exactly. that's why it's way faster than some of the host integrations. Okay, yeah. interesting. So. You're basically trading speed for security. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And so it really depends on how much that is important to you, you know, what type of site you're running. You know, if you're running a blog, <laughs> you might not need enterprise level. <laughs> well, you, you'd be surprised. Security. I got DDoSed when I did a product. Well, that's, launch, uh, <laughs> that's true. I got DDoSed a few uh, months ago and yeah. uh, I had to go block IPs and it's, yeah, so it's a whole fun process. But yeah, so in that case, you know, enterprise might have saved me because I actually am running a APO too. I'm not oh, running the, so the host integration. So 
it's hard to know you like would have caught it and wouldn't have but um so and i tell people to like test it out for yourself too i mean if that initial call speed is that important <laughs> to you like maybe you want to do your own account uh, with cloudflare but it it also means more management more setup exactly you got to do your dns record some people don't want to or even know how to do any of that stuff so honestly <laughs> now you say it i think i'm willing to trade the apu speed the, the little drop in speed for the security because we've had quite a few security issues people trying to break into wordpress etc that'd be nice actually to add that extra layer of security and i think i'd be willing to trade some speed for it actually I think it makes sense for especially the larger you get, the more it mm. makes sense. Yeah, because um, yeah, yeah. the, obviously the more you're attacked and the more uh, you're vulnerable. So and it's cheaper. I mean, it's not cheaper than APO, but it's cheaper than Pro. Like I use Pro for the advanced rules, and so like actually it's cheaper to buy it through Cloudways. I think it's ten or fifteen dollars a month, whereas Pro is well, yeah, yeah, a bit more. Well, and you're getting the enterprise version. I think that's two fifty a month yeah, to yeah. cloud. Yeah, but would I buy that? Like, yeah. Well, no, that's true. Yeah, but these hosts <laughs> are passing along a lot of, of value, value yeah. and it's simply because of the partner volume integration that they have. So. Okay. Yeah, that's super interesting. I think for most people, that's probably a little bit overkill. Would you agree? For most people, just setting up APO when you're starting your site is enough, like nothing else. Yeah. Yeah. If you're just doing like one site, or you're smaller, or even medium-sized site, I mean. Just install Cloudflare, do APO, and you're good to go, in my opinion. Yeah, so APO is only for WordPress. It's uh, Advanced Platform Optimization, I think that's what it stands for. And yep. it's basically, it makes your entire website cached in a CDN, as opposed to uh, JavaScript, CSS, and images only. So like even the HTML, the words, etc., everything is cached. And so most of your visits are actually never hitting your server. They're actually staying on Cloudflare, which means it also, I found it makes you spend less on hosting because if most of yeah. your visits are, are hitting, like you, you're better off not spending too much on hosting, having a pretty basic hosting with a good host provider, and then offloading most of the work to Cloudflare for, the, for like five bucks a month. And then rather than spending a hundred bucks in hosting or whatever, you can spend 50 or something like that. You save money and you get better performances, basically. That's where a traditional CDN fails is because it's not caching the HTML. So like if your site is globally, like you really just want Cloudflare Edge Cache these days. Like you, yeah. you almost can't, in my opinion, live without it. And the whole thing it's doing is optimizing that server response time, or you see the TTFB is what you might yeah, see. Yeah. And it's probably going to, most sites, you know, it'll be server response time might be like 300, 400 milliseconds. And APL will drop it down to sometimes 20 to 30 milliseconds. I mean, it's, it does, yeah. uh, it's a big difference. And we're talking everywhere around the globe. So yeah, it's, APL was, in my opinion, one of the best products launched performance-wise in the last five years. I agree. And for the value as well, for $5 a month, it's, it's yeah. insane, actually. But that's the thing. It's like most marketers still are focused on the hosting provider. And I'm like, guys, it, it doesn't even matter anymore. Like, it's like, buy the cheapest side ground and then use APO and you will have the same performances as like $100 a month service provider, basically. Like it's, it's I would done. argue against that when you're running the e-commerce side a little bit. Okay, funny. Um, just, be, just because yeah. there's so many uncached things that can't get cached. But but yeah, no, I 100% agree with that. If you run a con yeah. uh, like just a content site, I think, uh, I think you can definitely do that. And yep. the value is so much higher than paying a very expensive host like uh, WP Engine or something like this. Like you, you're better off saving on hosting. And another thing, a little tip is if you're using, I always recommend um, like installing the Cloudflare, the free Cloudflare plugin that they have mm -hmm. because it automates some of the purging in areas. But like always increase your uh, cache length is the most important thing. Okay. So like I, I use like 30 days on most of our sites. And so say you have a blog 
the homepage, say you publish a new article. If you have the Cloudflare plugin installed with APO, you publish a new article, the plugin is going to clear the cache on the homepage and also, and then nowhere else, essentially. That means all the other blog posts are going to stay in cache for that 30-day period. I think the default is much shorter. It's like seven days or one day. Okay. You don't want all your blog posts, HTML, expiring every day because that's kind of defeating the whole purpose of APO, in my opinion. So like, I would crank that up to longer and then make sure you have the plugin installed to automatically purge the things that should be purged. Anyway, you need a plugin to activate it. Like uh, Cloudflare checks when you activate it if the plugin is on and they don't turn it on on the Cloudflare backend if the plugin is not on. So you need that to turn it. Even with WP Rocket, it actually doesn't work. You have to bring the Cloudflare plugin to activate it. Then you can deactivate oh, really? it okay. and activate the rocket and then it works. <laughs> I see. I didn't even know that because I always had it installed. So yeah. I yeah, yeah. So I mean, I've tried. I don't know. <laughs> it's like, so yeah, let's talk about image optimization. I think it kind of like flows, flows well in. My setup, so you can roast it. Actually, I use Bunny Optimizer. It's not the cheapest. It's 10 bucks a month. But it's the one that I found does the best job at consistently properly resizing the images. So the idea of image optimization with Bunny is like you upload your images just on your, on your WordPress site. And they're essentially going to take these images, transform, reconvert them into WebP, and make five or six versions for the different screen sizes. And the idea is like, if you have a small iPhone screen, you don't need to load a large image, and therefore it's going to be faster for these people to load, basically, especially if they're on mobile networks uh, that are a little bit slow. And so I've tried a bunch. I've tried um, short pixel. I found it's very buggy, in my opinion. Like very often the images would break or it wouldn't like serve the resized image in the front end, that kind of stuff. I've tried the Cloudflare one. I, sometimes it did nothing. Sometimes it would just literally nothing would happen. <laughs> and then Bunny was the one that actually worked consistently for me, even though it's definitely not the cheapest. Uh, like short pixels are a lot cheaper, for example, but I found it works better. Like. What's your setup? You're talking to like a, I'm on the enthusiast, you know, end of things <laughs> um, for sure. Okay, so, I'm scared. And, well, no, my setup is probably not going to work for most people. Okay, what um, do you recommend? <laughs> but I can tell you what I recommend. So like for our setup, WordPress already like creates thumbnails and uses source set. True. That's already built into WordPress core. So like on our sites, I know exactly the size I need to upload so that the images get created. And I, so I actually don't, bother with that at all because source sets already picking the right image but a lot of people 99% don't can't be bothered. they're uploading all sorts of different <laughs> images or yeah and a lot of times it's someone that doesn't even know wordpress they're just uploading it as a content yeah. creator and so for those people you need something like what you're doing i like mm -hmm. the bunny one to be honest too i okay, really like good. that one i'm not a fan of the the uh cloudflare one uh, mm -hmm. i think it's called good. mirage yeah. Mirage, and I've just never had great success with it either. And it, it also conflicts with some lazy loaders, like including our lazy loader and Perf Matters. So like, it's just, like you said, it's hit or miss. And like, I've seen it conflict with other things. So I never recommend Mirage, to be honest. I haven't had many problems with short pixel on client okay. sites and I've worked on a lot, but okay. again, every site's different. And like, maybe there was a bug at the time you were using it too. And so there's stuff that I don't see. I'm pretty sure they use Buddy now as well, actually in the backend, so. I think they do, yeah. And so I like Short Pixel too. I do see EWWW on some sites and that seems to work okay. And then Optimal is another one I'm seeing pop up frequently. And I haven't had any really issues with the Optimal either. So that's another one to check out. I think okay. Optimal is run by the guys, uh, code in wp.com. They kind of run a popular WordPress blog. So yeah, those are the three. And then I like Imagify too for like image optimization, but they don't do any of the scaling or anything right. too. Yeah. So it depends on what you need 
for your site. Is it safe to just host your images in WebP at this point? Like, can I just do that? Because <laughs> obviously, for a long time, you were like, oh, browsers are not compatible, like there will be issues, etc. At this point, I'm just uploading WebP, to be honest. I'm kind of done. I'm like, if your browser is too old, <laughs> I can't yeah. show it. <laughs> I haven't gone there yet, to be honest. I'm waiting okay. still. I've Every single year I think about it, just skip this and just I'll upload straight right. WebP straight from like Affinity <laughs> Designer like that. I That's what I use mm -hmm. for my images and um, just skip the whole thing. And I'm not there yet, even okay. though if you look at the browser market share, I, I guess you could make a case for it because I think I'll it's like it. at 90. Oh, you started? Yeah, last year I was just like I was like I'm done. Oh <laughs> like, really? Just well, maybe maybe I might have to rethink this again. That <laughs> like, if you already started, because yeah, I've almost pulled the trigger and like WordPress Core. I don't know if you know they have their own performance lab plugin mm -hmm. that they launched. Um, and they're kind of testing some of these things where they're converting to WebP and then just kind of like only serving the WebP stuff. And I haven't done there yet. But you're saying how long have you been doing that for? Mm, Do you know, like maybe like nine months something like this. Like the, really? it's not super okay. old, but like I'm like at this point like WebP's been around for a while. Like. I can imagine it's only like a computer that hasn't been updated for a very long time that wouldn't support it. What are the chances they would be my customers? Like pretty low, to be honest. Well, yeah, <laughs> I think it's at like 95% or something in market share. I mean, it's the only thing is like old IE versions, which I mean, right? yeah, do you That's really like, even care? Most people are probably not doing the things that you yeah, were Yeah, exactly. On. It's like, I, I, I doubt it. And if it is, it's like if they, if they contact our support saying, I can see your images, it's a great way to... <laughs> Tell them what to do and update their computer. Well, curious, have you had anyone reach out? Because that's the no. only thing that I would be, you never know what's going to happen. Like, am I going to have all these people I'm reach sure out? I'm sure there's but... like 0.2% of people who like have issues, right? I'm sure it's happening. But like the convenience of just working under one image format for everything, the save disk space and, and all the like disk the, space, the yeah, simple, it's huge. the simpler code, the everything, like, you know what I mean? Like, Everything just makes more sense for 99.8% of people <laughs> that yeah. I'm like, you know what, <laughs> I've had it. But I know it's, it's, it's a little early, maybe a little bit, but that's what I wanted to ask. Yeah, I'm not doing that yet, but trust me, I've thought about it. And uh, <laughs> okay. I might think about it more after <laughs> this, <laughs> this podcast right. is over again then. How much can I compress my images before they look like shit? <laughs> like how far do you go? Because it's like, we're very, we like pixel peeping on our screenshots, especially on the blog, for example. Like we're really like, we hate where it looks pixelated. Just to give you an idea, I shipped a 4K screen to a VA in the Philippines just so that our screenshots have like a high PPI and they look good on retina screens. <laughs> so I'm, uh, I'm pretty, I'm pretty annoying with this. And so I, I was wondering like if you, like, what was your threshold? I mean, and again, I my workflow is so specific and exact on my site. So, like, yeah, I, okay. I, I always encourage people, though, to, like, take the time and figure out what your workflow is. And then, like, maybe make a do Google Doc if people are uploading stuff. Like, tell them to follow, like, these guidelines because they are important, especially over time. So, like, on my site, like, when I go to create, like, a featured image or any image... I always make sure it's 300 kilobytes or less before I upload it into the media library. Okay. So that's my like mental, like it can't be over 300. If it's over, I make sure it's smaller resize or something in Affinity Designer or whatever. So you lower and the quality then, or something. Yeah, and then once it hits, well even, or sometimes I even do a different image or figure okay. out how to do a different image really? altogether. Like an image. Some, yeah. And you're no, like, no, I'm it's that. too big. I'm making it. <laughs> yeah. Because like sometimes you'll get like something that's so complicated, you know, with the pixels that it's just, mm -hmm. you can't compress it. And like, so then I'll be like, well, let me go find a different image or something to use. <laughs> um, so like the 300 kilobytes is my threshold. And then when I throw it into the media library, um, we use Imagify on most of our sites. We've used short pixels too, either 
but um, I know that it's going to grab it and push it down to about 30 to 40 kilobytes and put it into WebP. So that's the like 300 down to 30 kilobytes is kind of, I know that's going to happen. So I don't even look anymore because I know that's what's happening in the background. What quality settings do you have? Do you have like lossy, lossless? Uh, like, or is that like a number? How does it work? So I don't have it on lossless. So I have it on the more aggressive. So I have it on lossy is the default, yeah. which is the more aggressive. Oh, I think Imagify, they did this like a year back. They took away the aggressive. It's like some automated AI thing uh, now. There's okay, no more like, like aggressive half, half. or, yeah, it's half, half. And so they're like meeting in the middle. But so it's just, there's no setting anymore. I think Short Pixel still has like an aggressive mm -hmm. thing. But like, I think Imagify is aggressive now, <laughs> I think with the new rules. So mine's pretty aggressive. But again, I've spot checked lots of images. So like, that 300 kilobytes down to 30 WebP looks good on my site. But again, you got to figure out what looks good on your site and then figure like, you know, the, the sizes. So. One thing that I would warn people against though that are listening is that if you're running, let's say, Bunny Optimizer that already optimizes your images, do not install a plugin that compresses oh, yeah. again. If you compress your images yeah. twice, it's a mud fest, you know? It's like the images are horrible. <laughs> and, and it's like that I've seen, I'm not going to name a competitor, a competitor that's done that. And it's <laughs> it's horrible. You can't read any screenshot. Like all the text is basically like the Game Boy screen or something, you know? So be very careful. Only run one image optimization tool. So if you run it on Cloudflare or if you run it on Bunny, do not install something like Imageify because that's the over-optimization, I would say. Yeah, for sure. Okay, and then the next step of my setup is actually Perf Matters. The main thing I use Perf Matters for is, one, to disable a bunch of core functions in WordPress that are not useful. Like, I use the emoji, so I didn't turn this off. But, like, the remote posting and, um, like, there's some kind of, like, old-school libraries that they're still maintaining that you guys are allowed to turn off, etc. And then... The best part for me is the script manager. Uh, it's like, for me, it's like, that's the one reason about the tool. You want to explain what it is? It's your plugin. I <laughs> <Did> you explain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, so the script manager basically was born out of the frustration with uh, that all these plugins are loading their scripts everywhere on all the mm -hmm. pages that don't need to be. I feel like today they're doing a little better job than they used to be. Um, but uh there's, I still see it all the time. And uh, sometimes it's hard to get away from that too, based on how things load. Mm -hmm. Say you have a, a short code. There's no way in actual WordPress to say like, is this short code running? So enable the script to load only where the short code is. There is no way in WordPress to do that as a developer. So in that case, developers usually just say, okay, we need to load our scripts in case someone puts this short code on a mm -hmm. page. Blocks have gotten a little better with that detection stuff. But again, this the same type of problem has like developers don't want people reaching out saying, why is my plugin not working? <laughs> it's because the script's not loading. So they'll just load their scripts everywhere. And obviously that hurts performance. If you have 12 plugins and say half the plugins are loading their scripts everywhere that don't need to be. So the script manager lets you go in, you can disable JS, you can disable CSS or wherever on a per page site-wide Basis. And it shows per plugin as well. It categorizes these things per like yep. which plugin they come from. So it's pretty easy, even if you're not super technical, to know I'm using what this plugin does on this page or I'm not using what this plugin does on this page. I don't do it on every page. Like I kind of do it for like post types and then I would do it for like important sales pages or something like this, for example. And we do have our MU mode, which if you want to dive into it even deeper, is the this will allow you to disable entire plugins. So like the script manager at its core just lets you say like JS off, CSS off on basically but if you want to disable the lots of plugins will run like inline code 
mm-hmm. which is like in the HTML itself, or they'll run queries on a page. So if you toggle on MU mode and disable a plugin, that will actually disable the CSS, JS, inline code, and any queries, database queries that it might be running too. So technically that can actually even help your, your database load as far as turning everything off. But obviously that's more aggressive too. Yeah, but that's what I like with Perfmatter. It's kind of like the fine tuning. Once you've done all that setup we talked about, you kind of come in, you open the script manager, and then you just do the final touches to optimize everything, basically. And uh, super handy for me, actually. And that's actually the workflow I recommend, is do everything else first, then go into the script manager, not the other way around. Sometimes people start with the script manager, and that can run into problems, because then you're trying to optimize things with other plugins after the end, so that causes problems. I agree. Optimize then script managers. Yeah, Perfmatter is the last tool you do for your site speed. Like we do, you do all the other things we talked about, like in that order, that was the point. And then yeah. after that, after that, you see what's loading on the page and you fine tune. And it's like, you guys are, are very much like a fine tuning, a fine tuning tool, basically. Did you see that Google is actually, an, has announced a new core vital that would be a, like a real core vital very soon, INP. Did you look into that yet? Yes, because I, I knew you were going to bring this up too. <laughs> because, uh, <laughs> I saved it mainly, for the end, you know? <laughs> well, mainly because uh, we've had clients reaching out already saying mm-hmm. like, why am I failing INP when it's actually not even out yet? They just threw it in the tool, which is very annoying as it's someone with our type pass, of, right? well, and as someone in our type of business, it's very annoying that they added it there. I know why they did it. They want people to start looking at it. But for us, it's like people are saying like, oh, we're failing this already. Like help us. But no, it's not actually there yet. So a couple things on this. Yeah. So INP is stands for interaction to next paint. And what this does is basically Google's measuring. They're taking their crawler or their bot and they're doing multiple measurements of the page over time as they hit your site. They're like doing a click or an interaction and they're measuring the slowest interaction after that happens. So say you click the mobile menu on on the mobile and they're measuring how long that takes to get fully loaded, to be fully done. And... um. They're measuring that time. And obviously, JS and CPU times always vary a little bit. So that's why they're going over and over and over. And they're taking, like I think, the 20th percentile of the slowest ones. And that's what they're hitting you with. So the ones that are fast, that's great. They're not even measuring those, really. They're just seeing, like, what's so the slowest one? what's wrong in your page. And then just yeah. basically show you that score. And from my experience so far, um, lots of third-party scripts can cause this issues. Mm-hmm. Um, even and then lots of like mobile menus. Think of like things that might be kickstarting JS like on an interaction. That's the type of things I would try to think about. And in this we case, have a, like is delaying JS JavaScript going to be a problem? Because if you delay it and things essentially like how quickly do they try to interact? It will not, and that, it will not okay. be impacted. However, there is a caveat here, and because if you think about it, like with a mobile menu and in Perf Matters, we have this thing called click delay, and mm-hmm. you can turn off the click delay essentially if you have delay JS on. However, you need to have all these exclusions set up properly for that to work. So basically, let's try to dumb this down. You turn delay <laughs> JS on. Simple. Yeah, you turn delay JS on. You add the proper exclusions. Say like it's an Elementor site. You click those elementary exclusions, and then we have a feature called turn off click delay. And this moves around the event listeners. Don't need to worry about the technical stuff, but like it turns off that delay that you would have that normally you might have with delay JS on there. So okay. turning that click delay off will help INP essentially. So that's one thing that we have in our plugin that will help with this. Um, but just delaying itself won't really impact it. Um, because if you think about it, it's still 
it's still learning the same amount of JavaScript at some point okay. in time. Is animation going to count? So let's say I have a mobile menu, but like animates to open. Like, do they count the animation or do they count the moment the animation starts? That one I can't say 100% sure, but it depends on if it's CSS too. Because lots mm -hmm. of animations are CSS. And so that probably won't probably count fine, yeah. as much. It's really the JS that I'm seeing okay. that's really hitting. So, but if the if there's JS in part of that process for the the animation, like mm. it probably will count. Okay. So, it, so watch out for um, the animations on your site if you have some fancy things going yeah. on. Yeah. And this is one thing where I can't stress enough how important it is to use something like Generate Press and Generate Blocks mm. because with INP coming out, it's going to be more important than ever to have a lightweight site. The less JavaScript you have, the better you're going to be off with INP. Just flat out, like it's easy. Obviously, that applies to most things <laughs> too, but um, with INP, it's going to be tricky because there's there's not lots of ways, even our plugin or Rocket, there's not lots of ways we can really fix this. Yeah, it's going to be down to this, the site design, basically. And the way exactly, the yeah. Built, right? The click delay is kind of like a hack to work with delay.js type of thing mm -hmm. with INP, but like as far as just solving all the INP issues... There's nothing we can do essentially. So like it, it's gonna be. I think a lot of these solutions will be probably recoding some of these elements, like Elementor and stuff, because they're gonna they're gonna run into problems where like they're gonna reach out to us first, and then we're gonna maybe be sending them right back to Elementor after we've tried some things that we can do already. And if we can't help, like it's gonna go right back to the source. So I think the page builder thing is gonna be hit really hard with the okay. IMP stuff. That makes me happy because we have a site speed course and like a large part of this is moving to generate press <laughs> because it's like, you know what guys, it's like, it's very much about the, the core structure of your site and not just the optimizations that you apply on top and page yeah. layout, etc. So like the LCP, etc. So it makes me very happy because actually it stays up to date, which is good. But yeah, I agree. Okay. That's super interesting. Third party scripts. I have, I have been working with someone at Big Scoots actually. We're a partner with them. He's been seeing a lot of third party scripts to uh, impacting IMP. So you got to be careful about not just ah, the so your code. tag manager as well. You think, for example, like anything you run in tag manager could could affect you. Yeah, yeah, stuff like mm. that. So like, I need to clean that and up. again, this is stuff that we're <laughs> still testing too. Like, I'm sure every optimization plugin is like figuring out new things that are hitting INP right now. But like, we've been seeing that stuff too. So like, I would be careful with that too. Like, just keep it in your in your mind as you're optimizing this stuff. Do you run them in like I think Cloudflare can do that now, Zara's or something like this. I haven't tried it. Uh, but I heard it's faster. Is that something that you've looked into? Yeah, and I forget the technical reason why it's faster, but it is because I think it there's some reason that the JS I think doesn't use the CPU time on your exactly, origin yeah. server. It's actually running the CPU time for the JS processing is just done at the edge essentially. Just kind of like kind of like APO cache. Zara's is like Google Tag Manager at the edge type of thing. So yeah, that's why it is faster essentially. However, I think it also loads something else on your site for PageSpeed tools. So like you might see like a ding, but technically it is actually faster. So it, okay. I would experiment with that. But yeah, it just technically it is doing things better. I haven't tried yet. It's like, I know I have it on my list, but I haven't taken the time to to do this. Yet. Okay, anything else I should have uh, either shared with you as far as my tech setup? Uh, I, before we go for, for that, like 
what is your judgment of my tech setup now that I, sh I shared everything that we used? What would you change? I think you have actually a really good setup, to be honest. Okay, um, okay I expected worse. I expected I, the CDN you would disagree. That's the one thing I was like, I wasn't sure about it. No, no, I think uh, the one CDN thing I might you might want to change is like trying the Cloudflare for the storage thing. But again, it's new too. So like you might want to wait six months or a year before you try it because sometimes things are buggy with that when they come out. And the only reason I would say that is because you get the long-term cache approach at Cloudflare still, and there's no other DNS requests happening. So exactly, yeah. with Bunny, you still have that additional DNS request, which it's not a lot, obviously I'm nitpicking here, <laughs> but if you could do it at Cloudflare, I think, I mean, I would totally do everything at Cloudflare if I could, just because I'm really, I'm a big sites, fan. Yeah. So. yeah, it's just that we have the setup right now and I haven't looked in SiteSpeed for a few months yeah. now, but it's definitely going to be on my testing list uh, next time I get into page speed for a week or something. And uh, then probably Zara's too. Like I would, yeah, I would check that out too, just because I know even the technical engineer guy at Big Scoots, he's always telling me to use Zara. He's a big fan of that okay. too. And he's actually one of the developers of the, I always get the name wrong, but it's the WP Super Page Cache plugin. Okay. It kind of does the full page Cloudflare cache for you. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, thing. yeah. Okay, it's like With the, the free page, version of APO. Page rules. Do. Yeah, and he's like one of the developers that kind of works on that. So he's as technical yeah. as you can get in the Cloudflare stuff. <laughs> he knows every everything there. But yeah, he's always like raving about Zara. So like, I would definitely check it out. Okay, cool. Uh, mm -hmm. Anything else you would add to the setup? Nothing else? I don't think so. Like you, uh, right. Honestly, your setup's pretty great to compare okay, to what cool. I see from clients oh, on a daily yeah. basis. <laughs> Uh, I'm happy. I just use this uh, podcast to get free consulting. You know, that's that's all I'm doing. <laughs> okay, well, where can people follow you? What should they check out? What do you want to send them? You can follow me. Um, I guess I got to start saying X. So on X at Brian Lee Jackson, or you can check out our, just our agency site is forgemedia.io. And that has like links to our plugin and uh, I don't get much time to blog anymore, but I do have our workup blog. Sometimes once in a while, I get time to blog on there. Okay, cool. Well, thanks for joining. It was super interesting and uh, see you next time. Great. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Mm -hmm.